Man, it's good to see you on Wednesday night. This is Advent season, and uh, we're starting a series. We're kicking it off, uh, obviously, t- today. And what we're doing is we're paralleling the weekend Advent messages with some practical applications. So if it doesn't sound too Adventish, too Christmassy, we will make some references to that, but we are a little bit more in a, an application mode. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Dream On, and um, it's good. That's a good name to have, isn't it? This is, this is the name of our Advent series on Wednesday nights, Dream On, because we want you to be somebody that dreams God dreams for their lives and actually becomes a part of God's dream uh, for this world. Lord, I just ask that there be a spirit of revelation released in this house tonight. I pray, Father, that there'd be a spirit of encouragement, spirit of faith, and revelation knowledge that you will speak to us tonight in ways that will bring about the dream that you have not only for our individual lives, but for this church. If you, if you believe that with me, just say amen. 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 Tonight, we're going to talk about dreaming big. Dreaming big. You know, there's a lot of people that life beats the dream out of them, and they no longer dream. I think when, we, when we're kids, we have this abundance of imagination without any blockages. And it takes life, it takes sometimes negative experiences for us to back up from the dreaming ability and the the imagination that God gave us. But that's a mistake. God is the most creative being in the universe, and he created you to be creative. Well, part of that is using the ability that he gave you to daydream and to be able to perceive what his dreams are for us. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here tonight. And I'm going to read several verses, more than we normally would. Do you think, do you think uh, Pastor, we could, we could maybe flow with that and, and not get lost in the detail? I might even, I might even stop and preach a, a minute on, on one or two of these verses because it's just really good. But I want to read you several verses from the Passion Translation out of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. Paul says, so I kneel, I kneel, that, that in itself tells us that this is an, a, a, a physical attitude, a physical posture of petition and of humility. I kneel humbly, he said, in awe of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Okay, this is the long-awaited Messiah. This is the Messiah that had been prophesied. This is the Messiah that was prophesied even in the book of Genesis that the seed of the woman was, was going to crush the head of the serpent. So this is a long time coming. Jesus, the Messiah. The perfect father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. The only perfect father. That says to me, you know what, whether my, whether my earthly parents were uh, a blessing or a mess, I've got no excuse because I've got a perfect father now. He's my father in heaven who also happens to be Jesus' father. 
That puts, me in a, that puts me in a pretty good family right there, doesn't it? He goes on to say in verse 16, now, now watch this. He tells us that he's approaching this prayer with humility. And now we're going to get into the prayer and we're going to find out why this has to be prayed in humility because this is some big stuff. Everybody say big stuff. He says, I pray that he would unveil within you I'm, I'm talking about you. I believe that this is a God-inspired prayer. This wasn't just for the Ephesian church. As a matter of fact, a lot of, a lot of Bible scholars think that this was a circular letter and that there were lots of other churches who had their name put in here. So, so, so look at me right here. Look at me right here. He is praying that God would unveil in you that God would unveil in you, Dr. Brown, that God would unveil in you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor. He is praying that you would have a revelation of God's unlimited favor in your life. Think about you within you is something that's been veiled until Revelation pulls the drape back on this great gift that we've been given, unlimited riches and unlimited favor. Don't get hung up over the word riches. I hope we're shifting from a poverty mindset to a wealth mindset. But there's more to riches than money. Money's the lowest form of wealth. But I'll take as much of it as I can get, too. I'm not going to back up from my paycheck. Come on, somebody. Just, just be real. How many of you know it takes money to operate in this life? I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until something happens. Until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. So he's praying that we would have an ever-increasing understanding, a revelation that within you is unlimited resources, within you is the unlimited favor of God. Telling you, this is the stuff dreams are made of. You can't believe this about yourself. You cannot believe that this is in you and then think small. That's just contradictory. Verse 17, then... Wow, we've already had the revelation. We already understand we have unlimited favor and divine power on the inside of us. Then, by constantly using your faith. In other words, you've got to believe it. By constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. The resting place of his love, his unconditional love, his reckless do-anything-for-you, kick-down-any-kind-of-wall-or-barrier kind of love, that love becomes the basis out of which you actually draw your energy, your life, your power, All of that comes from how much God loves you. See, my ministry has to be an overflow of my revelation of God's love for me. 
And then my dream is not limited any more than His love is limited. Because His love is limitless. If it issues forth from love. Verse 18 and 19. Then you, then, there's two thens here, that's important. Then you, you, I'm talking about you in the balcony. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of God in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless. Let me see where I am. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Man, I'm telling you, if you're filled with the fullness of God and your faith knows what it has access to, you're going to begin to dream big. You You won't be dreaming about what you would do if. Faith will just kick the if out. You, you won't be dreaming about, well, I would do that, but faith will kick the out. The great magnitude of his astonishing love in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate, far-reaching is his love, how enduring, inclusive, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding, this extravagant love pours into, in, into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Verse 20, never doubt. This is really my text. Never doubt, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you. Not not just you, plural, the church, but I'm talking about in you and in what you do. Man, this makes me want to preach. Makes me want to kick some devil booty. I'm telling you. Right here, just put some power in your step. Put some, put some, put some glide in your stride. <laughs> Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imaginations. Man, this is big stuff. You know what? You, I, I, I hear people fighting limitations. I, 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 you know what? When my husband left me, he left me with all the bills and a broke-down Ford station wagon. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, you know what? I've learned how to dream big in small places. You know, you might be on food stamps now, but you can dream big. You can hold your head up high to know, you know what? I got a power on the inside of me that's bigger than where I'm living right now. And there, listen, this is the least I'll ever be because I'm believing God. Man, I'm telling you. Infinitely more. He'll exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. 
And I'm going to go ahead and read the last verse of the chapter. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So I want to talk tonight about dreaming big. Warren Buffett said this. We've been talking some about mindsets. Warren Buffett said, rich people plan for three generations. Poor people plan for Saturday night. It's true. It's true. I've got, I've got a friend who's, who's big into the homeschool movement. And people in his circle are writing, are writing theological, doctrinal statements, statements of faith in what they've learned and believed about God for 2,000 years ahead. In other words, they, they, they want to know that the revelation that their family has, has received from the Lord, their understanding of grace, their understanding of truth, they're writing those for their offspring and their, their relatives that they'll never see. I think, as, I think as people who have eternity on the inside of them, we should be thinking farther than the next paycheck. Here's another Warren Buffett quote. He said, someone's sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. They had a dream. You know, the, for, for the purposes of our, our discussions here these next few weeks, we're using this definition for dream. It's only one of many dre- definitions, but we're talking about dreams as cherished aspirations. This is not just something that comes and goes with you. It's a cherished aspiration, an ambition, an ideal. I think of it as my heart's deepest desires. So it's not just, happen- it's not just what happens when I lay my head on the pillow. This is that thing that constantly is rolling through me. This is what, I, this is what man, I enjoy just the thought of certain things. Things I want to do, things I want to become, things I want to learn. A fantasy, on the other hand, is an idea with no basis in reality. See, a dream for me might, to be, might, might be to be a better husband, a father, a, a better speaker. That's a dream. A fantasy would be for me to play in, in the NFL. I just don't think that's going to happen. I just don't think, it, I just don't think it's, it's the hand I've been dealt. That would be a fantasy. It's an idea, but it has no basis in reality. So your dream, you know, your, your dream, don't, don't over-spiritualize it, but understand it is deeply spiritual. Your dream is just, what do you want to have more of? Or less of. What, what is it that you've always wanted to do? You've always wanted to become this. You've always wanted to have this. Those are things that you, you begin to dream. What is it that if you were to, to do would bring you the most alive that you've ever been? That's the stuff that dreams are made out of. You know, sometimes people encounter the death of a dream. You know what happens when your dream dies? You get a bigger dream. I think, I think if people are stuck and they've been dreaming about things and it just never seems like there's any step towards it, 
I just wonder if those dreams are too small. I just wonder if sometimes some of the stuff we've dreamed is all within our power to do. There's no risk involved. There's no faith involved. And it's the mercy of God that won't let us have that because it would sidetrack us from the great thing he has for us. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you. And accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. So three things I want to talk to you tonight. Two of them are actually questions. This first one's a question. I think every one of us needs to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is your dream for my life? You say, well, I don't think God would have plans for me. Oh, God's been dreaming about you for a long time. God's been dreaming about you for a long time. The Messiah's coming was not the only dream that he had. He has some things in place for you. And you say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm older than dirt. He still has a plan for you. He still has a plan for you. God's plan for you is closely linked to the abilities that he's given to you and, the perp- and his purposes for your life. Now, I want to pause there because a lot of people think, well, if God's going to use me, then I need, to, I need to get a microphone and I need to get on a platform. Actually, most of the people who think that, it would actually be the love of God for that not to happen. So we're, we're thankful. But I, I want to move away from this, from this idea that, that when we talk about God's dreams, that it's all related to preaching or it's all related to, to being a witness. I, I hope you are a witness wherever you go. I hope you pray for people wherever you go. I hope, you, I hope all, of that, all of that takes place, but God's dream for you encompasses all of the things he put inside you, your, your aspirations, your, your faith, your desires, the thing that your heart longs for, all of those are part of his makeup. And I think when we ask the Holy Spirit, what, what dream do you have for my life? It, it takes this form for me. How does Jesus want to love other people through you? I, and I don't know what that looks like. Maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus loving other people through you is about being a fishing guide. Maybe, maybe Jesus loving other people through you is by playing the keyboard. Maybe, maybe the way that Jesus wants to love other people through you is by you being a life group leader. And bringing people into your home and loving on them and, and, and knowing their name and knowing their story. And, and even more importantly, knowing when they're, they're, they're downcast because you can see that in their eyes. You've got that ability to do that. You've got the ability to bake a pie like nobody else. And Jesus wants to love other people through you. So a lot of times that the thing we're most gifted at, we discount or disregard because it comes easily to us. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe love uh, for, for you is you're a mechanic that doesn't rip people off. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. And His grace to me was not fruitless. Fruitless. 
You know, where, where is it that you bear fruit? Where, where is it that you bear fruit easily? That's a sign. God's dream. You, you've entered into God's dream. Now, when we talk about loving other people, like letting Jesus love other people through us, please don't misread me because some people automatically think, well, if God's loving you through me and you're a mechanic and you're in the church and I'm in the church, you're a brother, I'm a brother, then you should work for me for free. No, that's warped. That's a poverty mindset right there. If you have a wealthy mindset and if you're dreaming God-style dreams, then you should be thinking about how you can bless that person with something more besides their fee. And if you're the mechanic, maybe, maybe the way you should be thinking is not necessarily giving me a discount because if I love you, I'll love your family and I'll want you to be blessed. But maybe if you're the mechanic and that's the way Jesus is using you to love other people, you won't be dishonest. You won't fix stuff that wasn't broken. You'll go the extra mile and do a little extra for them. That would be Jesus loving through who he made you. His grace made you a certain way. And his grace, like Paul said, was not fruitless. Where do you bear fruit? That's a sign that you're entering into your dream state. In fact, he said, I worked harder than all the rest. Wait a minute, I thought you were talking about grace. His grace was in God's enablement to do something he enjoyed. He was producing fruit. It was bringing results. It energized him. He loved doing it. God was loving other people through him. Stuff is happening. And man, when you start dealing with people who are full of love, full of faith, and full of the Spirit of God, miracles start happening. Whether they're in church or not, it might be in the mechanic shop. I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength, but God's. For his empowering grace is poured out upon me. See, grace operating in your life attracts the right people into your life and resources to accomplish God's dream for your life. I mean, this is one of the clues that I try to help people with. One of the questions I try to find out when they're dealing with their calling What is it that you're doing that people want to come help you do? Where do you have favor? Man, when when I was like, music was my thing. Music was my thing and drums were my instrument. It's just like people wanted to come and take lessons from me. People would give me drum sets. I would have like a drum set in the travel trailer. I'd have a drum set set up in the spare bedroom. I'd have a stacks of two or three drums and I'm refinishing. Because I just found out, you know, people, I don't know why. I was just like a drum magnet. <laughs> when grace operates in your life and you start to operate in the God's dream for, God dream for your life, people and resources start flowing towards you. This is where you have to to work at not limiting God because it's not about you. You don't feel qualified. As a matter of fact, fact, if you're not embarrassed about how blessed you are, then you're not as blessed as God wants you to be. Like when when people talk to you about, man, that's a great whatever, that looks good, how do you have all that stuff? You want to start explaining and giving excuses for why you're so blessed. That's when you know you're on target. It's getting awfully quiet in here. I I can plow that ground a little while because I've been on both sides of that equation. 
You've got to live out of your spirit's imagination, not just out of here. Holy Spirit, what do you have? What are you dreaming about me today? See, the moment your dream exceeds your current circumstance, faith will propel you towards that dream. It's not too late. You're not too old. Second thing is this. We, we have to understand that God's dream for you is unprecedented. I mean, he wants to make history on your behalf. As it is written, Scripture says, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. I want you to notice something here. God's dream for you is unprecedented. He wants to do something he wants to do something in your family. He wants to do something through you, for you, that nobody else in your family's ever done. Maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe that's graduate. Maybe that's graduate from college. Maybe it's graduate from high school. Maybe it's not becoming an alcoholic. Maybe it's not being a person whose rage and anger dominates them. I don't know what it is, but he wants to do something for you that is unparalleled, that hasn't been seen. Because what, he, what to me, what he means when no, no eye has seen, what eyes have already seen, that's what's already been done. So I talk, when I talk to people, even like, even like spiritual people and ministers, when I start talking about let's make history. Let's do something that's never been done at Victory Life before. Let's do something that's never been done in Sherman. Let's do something in our geographic area that no church has ever done. You get a blank look sometimes. And you have to wonder, hey, the love of God's in you. You have faith. God wants to do something unparalleled and unprecedented. But what eyes have seen, well, that's been done before. What ears have heard, well, that's somebody else's results. What has entered into the heart, that's somebody else's dream. God wants to birth a dream in you, in your family, in this church that's bigger than what man could do by himself. I just, I really believe that God wants to give me an it had to be God life. And what I mean by that is when they look at you and they say, I know you're not that smart. How is it that you have all this money? How do you, how do you get all these promotions? How do you live where you live? They'll say it had to be God. Man, when I was growing up, we lived in a poor part of town. It was poor. It was like it already got old. They moved the track so it was double on the wrong side of the track. You know, it's like the house has been condemned, come back been rebuilt, been condemned again. I went back to that neighborhood several years ago and there's a few houses standing, the rest of it looks like fields. I mean, like the, the houses are gone. They just fell down or something. They just tore them down. You know, but that puts something on the inside of me. It might not be a big deal to you. Like it wouldn't be as big a deal to Lisa, but, but I never grew up in, in a nice house. I can remember driving home, somebody driving me home from church, you know, I went to hang out with my bud, and they assumed that the house across the street was mine because it was like the nicer house on the block. 
And no, mine's the, like the, the shack right here. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all live that. Y'all are looking at me like you, you're, a, you're a goofball. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about I, know, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to live in a crime-ridden area. Man, I don't want to go too deep there, but I'm, 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 also, I'm saying that to say this. It was a big deal to me to have a nice house. So that was always like big on my faith list. And God provided. You know, I found out he will do whatever you believe him for. This is why the scripture says things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store, but God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. See, these are the things that are unprecedented, unparalleled. Jesus said, John chapter 14, Truly, truly, I say to you, whosoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will I do, will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Now, I want you to, I I want to key in on something here for just a second. Jesus was in business longer than he was in ministry. Okay? I think we can safely assume that when he turned 13, he went into his earthly father's business. That would mean that time between 13 and 30, he spent 17 years in business. Three and a half years in ministry. Well, what's the point on that? The point I'm making is this. The only ministry that we have is not the preaching of the gospel. For him, his ministry was being in his earthly father's business, doing business in a trade, doing carpentry, day in, day out, making chairs, making tables, repairing yokes, whatever it was, he was in business. So don't come to me and say that God's dream for you can only be spiritual, supernatural things. What if he wants some people to do supernaturally well in business so that they're blessed, the church is blessed, and the community's blessed? I'm about to come down here, I'm telling you. Every business starts as somebody's dream. And every problem that's ever been solved has been solved through imagination. So what does that have to do with anything, Pastor Mark? What I'm telling you is this. God has a dream, and it's not limited to the pulpit. God has a dream for ministry in the marketplace. God has a dream for ministry in education. God has a dream for ministry through medical practice. God has a dream. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Well, no, I'm not going to because I don't have the time to explain that. But I just, I think, well, I will, I will say this. I think we have lost part of grace by giving up on the arts. I think, I do not think the only place musicians should, should do their thing is on a church platform. I think the creativity that we've lost because we've limited it to a genre has, has As a, as a pastor, 
I don't want to step on anybody's dream. I want to encourage you, man, if you, if you have a career in music, then do music things, employ the dream, play what God put on the inside of you. If, it, if you can become a commercial value, that's awesome. But the church doesn't have much value for art. And I think it's a pity. Because part of the definition for the word grace is simply beauty. Painters, poets, sculptors, doodle artists. Man, there's a, there's a guy that comes to this church who uh, builds hot rods. And, and I, was over at, I was over at his house, and he was showing me this book of all the cars that he's had. I don't know, he's had like 300 cars in his life. And you know when he was 13 years old, he took the top off of a Mercury, and he cut it off like with a table knife or a steak knife. <laughs> he's 13 years old. I mean, how did he even get the car? I know he probably took the the steak knife from his mom, but just think about that. That's drive, that's ambition, that's somebody with a dream. It's, I just think that's interesting. Why, why am I saying that? Because that is somebody's dream. I think God's involved in that dream. You take a guy that can put a 49 Ford pickup truck on like a 1996 Explorer frame and knows that it'll work, I marvel. I'm, I, I mean, I go into his garage and I marvel. That's a gift. You know what? I enjoy just hearing his stories, let alone see him drive these things down the road. You think, well, that's not spiritual. Well, think about all the people who are attached in not only in that industry, but in that hobby, just in this area. And to have somebody that loves Jesus. I'm talking about dreams. I mean, you motorcycle riders. I pray for y'all. See how you're riding down the road, it's like 30 degrees sleeting out there, and y'all driving that thing with a big smile on your face. I know that has to be an anointing, because I wouldn't even get out with... It's a dream! Number three, and this is where, this is where we're going to end. Holy Spirit, what is a step that I can take towards your dream for my life? I think this is where the rubber meets the road. This is, where, this is what separates the, the men from the boys, the mature from the immature. Will you take a step? I mean, you, you talk all the time about, like, you see this business opportunity, and then three years later, somebody has done it, and they're making millions of dollars. But you knew it three years ago. The difference between them and you or them and me is not taking the step. Holy Spirit, what is that, what is that step? You know, Jesus was prophesied. The Messiah coming was prophesied. We, we, we learned this weekend, Isaiah prophesied six centuries before the Messiah showed up. So God has a way of, like, telegraphing his move. And it gets so long sometimes, people get impatient, and they might even think it's never going to happen. Listen, there's something that happens when you write down the dream that you have in your heart. I don't have time to do this justice, and I'm not going to read my list. 
But somebody challenged me almost 40 years ago to read, to write down a list. It was at a time when I couldn't put two quarters together. If you'd have given them to me, I'd have lost one or both of them. I, I was just, didn't know how to balance my checkbook, didn't understand how in the world anybody ever prospered. But somebody challenged me to write down a dream. And I'll tell you, when I wrote stuff down, I was embarrassed to write it down because it had to do with like investments, with stocks, with mutual funds that I didn't know anything about at the time, with where I would live and how I would dress and what I would drive. And I wrote that stuff down and I encountered that a few years back inside of one of my journals and I, I took that thing out and I remembered, man, I was, I was writing that stuff. I was embarrassed and nobody was looking at this. I was embarrassed by myself because it seems so far-fetched and it seems so far beyond my reality and my circumstance, but it was the seed of dreaming. Well, what amazed me about that list is everything on that list had come to pass and I thought it was completely nonsense. Something happens when you write something down. Well, I found another one, another list in a journal that I wrote down about 15 years ago. Most of those things have come to pass. That was at a time before, I, before we were mortgage-free. It, it had to do with things like uh, I wanted to publish a book. I wanted to help other people publish books. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to become a coach, uh, not, a, not a football coach. I already covered that ground. But I'm talking about like a life coach. I wanted to learn coaching skills to help people achieve their dream. I wanted to do some things like the two people that worked with me as assistants, I wanted us to take a really nice vacation and, and like maybe that the, the, they would go with Lisa and I to Cancun and we would pay for the whole thing. Well, that never happened, but we've taken other people on vacations. Stuff that I wanted to give away, stuff that I wanted to have. 15 years ago, a lot of that stuff, it wasn't as far-fetched, it wasn't as hard to write that down, but when I look back over that list, it wasn't like I prayed and fasted over that. I just wrote it down. And something about writing it down is a release of faith when maybe, maybe you don't feel like you've got any strength left inside you. You, you, you. It's hard for you to even imagine your life straightening out. Man, make a list of the things that you'd like to do. Make a list of the places you'd like to see, the relationships you'd like to focus on. Add any other dream you can find in your heart. For you, for your family. And just understand this. Dreams take time. You have to learn. You have to grow. There's sequence and process. And I don't have time to get into this, but process is spelled W-A-I-T-I-N-G. You know, this Advent season is all about learning how to wait and learning that we're not really in charge, but God is. Well, what, since he's in charge, what does he want for you? I guarantee you it's more than you want for yourself. I guarantee you what he wants for you would be the kind of blessing that you're going to have to, you're going to, have to make apologies to your family about. Man, there's stuff that I want to say. I don't know that we're ready to say it, but I feel like we're going to make, we're going to make a mentality shift. Because I've learned this, me giving ministry away, me being generous, I've never had less by giving more. 
never had less by giving more. God wants to do something in your life. I believe he wants to do something tonight that you can make a step. You can say on the inside of me, you know what? I'm not going to limit God to my past experience. I'm not going to limit him to my current limitations, but I'm going to, I'm going to in faith believe that God loves me so much, so much more than I even understand or could understand. And I'm going to root my life in his unfathomable love for me and truly believe that he has better plans for me than I have for myself. And in doing so, you're saying, Holy Spirit, you dream big through me and I won't stop you. You dream big through me and I'll take the limitations off you. I'll allow you to use my, my imagination. I'll allow you to use the faith that you've given me and I'll take a step. But what's that first step? That's what I want you to bow your heads with me right now and just ask the Holy Spirit. Maybe you say, I don't have a dream. For you, the start might be serving somebody else's dream. But at least you can say, if you do have a dream, Holy Spirit, what's the step that I need to take right now? What's that one step, that next step, that next physical action? Is it an attitude I need to change, something I need to do? Ask the Lord right now, Holy Spirit, what is that next step for me? And then if you don't know what that dream is, just ask him to birth that dream. Ask him to begin to reveal that dream in you. Maybe you're a person who really the revelation has to start with God's love for you. Holy Spirit, what's your dream for me? And what's the next step? I want you to look up this way for just a second. Dream big. Dream big. And allow the Holy Spirit to take you on a journey. Lord, I pray, bring a spirit of revelation in this house. Let businesses and ministries be born. Let people who want to foster parent kids take that first step on the journey. Father, I pray whatever it is, businesses, ministries, pray begin to birth big dreams on the inside of us. If you receive that, just say amen.